Well, for the next two weeks here, I'm going to go through a, a talk I did at our Faith Walkers Conference in Des Moines. It was called From the Sidelines to the Frontlines. Just talking about kind of getting in the game of what God's doing and not just watching it from a distance. And so uh, I'll just talk about that for the next two weeks and we'll go through it. I hope it's something encouraging for you and, and blesses your life. And just praying God speaks to me as well. I'll just continue to go through this and think about some of these things. So I'll pray and we'll jump in here. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the chance to be together here. Thank you for the chance to hear from you. Just thank you for this family of believers you've put us in. And I do pray you just redeem the little time we have here together. I pray this message would be encouraging. You'd bless each of our hearts. Help us just grab a hold of something we can be growing in. um, Something we can hear from you on. God, we really want to hear from the living God today. And we know that you can speak to us. You can grab our hearts. Your word can go out and do something. And we pray it would do that today. And uh, we'd just be honoring to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I thought about this talk, um, just thought about this idea of significance in our lives and wanting to be a part of something. You know, we each want to be a part of doing something significant in our life. We desire to be a part of some kind of cause or an effort or a movement part of a game, part of a battle, those all connect with us. We want to be part of something that's significant and bigger than ourselves. And yet most people I meet lack anything in their life that has deep meaning kind of beyond themselves and their family. There's just not that much to go grab onto to do something in our lives. And we have this whole society that's just starving for something significant. And so we try to gain our significance in all kinds of places. We want to work somewhere significant. You know, there's a time when you talked about your job and you were looking for a career. You just wanted to be able to put food on the table and get something well-paying and stick around a while and maybe get a gold watch after a lifetime of employment. And now we mostly talk in terms of working somewhere where a company's doing something significant to us. They're on the cutting edge. They're a ski resort. They're helping people Medically, They're doing something with technology. They're changing the world somehow. Those things connect with us because we want to see significance. And for me, when I look back on my life, when I was getting ready to go to college and kind of sorting out what do I want to do in life, I really had this kind of crossroads because I wanted to do something significant in life. I wanted to go do something and I just saw I saw people just go get a college degree and you go worked at some job and you put on a shirt a college shirt and kind of look nice and worked your 40 hours a week and it just didn't do anything it just didn't go anywhere it was kind of this tread treadmill kind of thing and I had to do this soul searching to say is there something more to go out and do and for me I just didn't see it and finally like kind of gave in and part of me died and I went and enrolled in college But a part of me felt like I was selling out and doing something small because I I had that desire in me to do something significant. You know, another thing I think that's affecting our culture in that same way is that we're less used to producing anything than we used to be a few generations ago. We're usually a part of things now by following it. Our social media, that whole movement, puts our soul in a position of following and consuming. 
Even the terminology has changed. Ten years ago, you got on Facebook and you had friends and it was like a community. And now you just get on Twitter or Instagram and you're following someone. And you're trying to grab onto something to gain some significance. I saw on Christmas Day, the Bronco quarterback Brock Osweiler posting that he was um, at a children's hospital visiting patients and and trying to help people that were... um, terminally ill and didn't have a lot of hope and I can get warm fuzzies of oh that organization they're doing something significant in the world and somehow I'm a part of it if I have the right jersey on on Sundays obviously in the last week there was a big event did anyone catch that Bronco rally downtown this week somehow there was a million people so there must have been a few of you I went out there, my work is across the street from it, so I felt like I couldn't not go. So I found a way to take vacation and go down there. Um, It was exciting to be down there with a million people cheering for something. And to hear the mayor talk about being Super Bowl champions. And just to see the team, see the excitement, hear them speak. And at one point, Mayor Hancock got up there. I think he did a lot of organizing for the event, so he was emceeing a lot of it. But he yelled out something like, Bronco country, take a bow. You're world champions. And the crowd went wild. And you felt like Denver really went out and accomplished something. And you got swept up and think, yay, we did something. And then I sat back and thought about it. And I was like, well, I haven't put on shoulder pads since the eighth grade. And actually, I sat around and ate food on a couch. I'm not sure what I accomplished, but gaining five pounds, but... But you felt exciting there to be a part of something and to see something like that. I think we're just used to this lifestyle of consuming. One of my favorite things to do as a teenager was go to concerts. I still like to, but that was like the hope of my summer then. I'd save up all my lawn mowing money. I did a lot of that. I'd save it up all summer so I could go to a concert or two at the end of the summer. And it's that same environment. You have a band bringing something to it and... And you find some way to take it in and be a part of it, whether you'd, you were like me as a teenager and wanted to get drunk and rowdy in the mosh pit or you wanted to sit back and take in the experience at Red Rocks and, and see the beauty of it. You're kind of just taking it in there. And when I was a teenager, I had this scrapbook back when you had them and the tickets weren't just on your phone. So I'd keep all the ticket stubs and I'd be happy to show you. And I was really proud of which, which concerts I went to and which bands were cool and what I was a part of. And if I could afford the t-shirt, I'd buy one and wear it into the ground as often as I could just to show and help define me by who I was consuming and what I was a part of. And we get trained to interact with all these events as a consumer and evaluating and rating it in terms of how cool it is, how it meets our needs, and it's, whether it's even worth going back a second time on a Groupon and paying full price or not. It's just how we're used to interacting with the world. And when we set foot into the church, we expect the same thing. When I was looking for a church in college, I had this whole list of things I was thinking about and I was looking for. (coughs) Was the sermon good? Was the music experience good? Was there some kind of established college ministry I could join? Did someone talk to me personally? And it was like I was filling out one of those rate your experience cards in my head that you get on the back of a restaurant receipt. And if the church got enough high marks on it, I'd go back another week and check it out. And if it didn't, likely I'd just move on and try somewhere else. 
And I had, this, I had this idea that if I was going to spend two hours a week and go to church, I better find the best show in town and get the best experience I could because this is how I was spending my Sundays. And many churches in America are filling up with people just looking for the show. Rick Warren, uh, he's the author of The Purpose Driven Life and the pastor of the Saddleback Church in California. He's kind of evaluated, well, what, what brings people into church? What gets them deeper? And he kind of identified this like five groups of people around the church. And I'll geek out a little bit with what he was saying, but I think it helps frame it. They just kind of grow in levels of commitment inside the church. He talked about the community just being people around it. Like anyone that would just walk down Tejon Street coming out of the restaurant and see the church as kind of our community. He calls the crowd this next level. I don't mean that to be an offensive term, but just anyone that comes into the church and comes on a Sunday or comes to one of our events, he called just the crowd of the church. And then the committed is kind of the next level of just members or people that committed to coming and a part of it. And then the core is kind of this group of people that are running everything in the church. All the way to he had the lay, which is kind of like the pastors, people on that level. But us this morning together, he would call in that terminology the crowd. I just think of that as kind of the Sunday service, your biggest meeting you have. There's a level of commitment where we're all come on a Sunday and come to something the church does. And over the next two weeks, we're just going to talk about what could really help us move from that crowd into the core of the church. And what about the church and what about that mission gives some significance in this world just looking for it? At the Super Bowl last week, 98% of the people there in Santa Clara were in the stands watching the thing. They're watching a few select men fight it out on the field. But in the church, that's not the idea. We want everyone to be moving into the core and be a part of things. We want everyone to be on the team and on the field and what we're doing. We just want a few people on the stands kind of walking in and checking it out and watch a church that's all at work and all a part of what's going on. And so again, over the next two weeks, we're just going to talk about what does it take to go from being a tender to the core that helps move the church and God's kingdom forward? And how does that put significance in our life? I'm just trusting that God will work on each one of your hearts. I would encourage you to ask as we go, is there any way that I can move to a next step? Is there anything, God, you would want me to grow in just to help be a part of what you're doing, to be a part of something significant in your mission? And so I prayed about what are some areas that really mark someone that's a part of that? So today we're just going to talk about serving or working when you come and discipling other people, other Christians. And next week we'll talk more in terms of the mission of the church and how it goes outside. But even if you're a Christian and you're a part of the core of our church, I'd ask you to pray if God might tug in your heart to aspire in one of these areas. So the first thing I want to talk about is just in terms of serving or could be expressed as working or laboring. And to frame it, we do serve, and this is part of that significance of it, we do serve a great God. There's a real God on a throne, a God that created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. That's eternal and powerful. And God is worthy of our praise, and God's cause is the greatest cause. 
on earth and in heaven. And we get all wrapped up in these causes, feeding the hungry and saving the environment and peace on earth and clean water to the whole world or ending poverty or bringing justice to gain that significance. They're all good things. And they catch our hearts. And there's a reason, because we want that significance. I grew up in Boulder. And so they're big into the environment there, if you've heard before. And so I had this whole Save the Earth vibe going on when I was younger. And so when I went up to college at CSU, they had this little pond on campus called the Lagoon. It was right by the student union. And I mostly interacted with it because you played Frisbee over it. And if you didn't do a very good throw, it would fall in. And so you go wait around trying to get it back because you couldn't afford the $10 for a new one. But one day we were out there playing and saw the lake had drained down. And so we went and got our trash cans from our dorm room, my roommate and I. And we tried to save these fish as the water went down. And there was fish kind of flopping as they drained it in the fall. Because we thought we need to save the world through these fish in the CSU pond. I don't know how it worked, but it made sense. So we're there in their trash cans trying to scoop us up. Eventually, the campus police came and put a stop to that because we thought we were trying to steal them. And the department that actually put them there came and cleaned them up. But we thought we were doing a noble effort because saving the world was it. It was pretty foolish, but we believed in it. And so we went and did something, even though it was pretty foolish and I think illegal. That's what the campus police thought. But God's trying to accomplish something on the earth that's more significant than any of those things. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. God is building his church. John 5, 17 says, my father is working until now and I myself am working. Jesus wasn't a philosopher. He was a worker. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, for this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He died for the whole world. He was raised on the third day in victory and he's drawing the whole world into relationship with him and building an eternal kingdom. And it is more significant than any brand or country or man or football team or anything. We're serving a God of the greatest importance and significance. And he gave us a mission to go out with him. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm going to talk about that mission more next week. But when I started to catch that God was really on a mission, God was really trying to do something, something changed for me. I finally saw that there was a God worth following. He's worth singing to and praying to like we did earlier this morning. And there's a mission he has that has an eternal impact. And something grabbed my heart in that. And I wanted to live for God. I wanted to join that mission. And whatever capacity I could be a part of it, I wanted to. And for me, it made church become a place that was more than just the show that I wanted to be to. But it was a place I could go be a part of the team. 
and I asked how I could be involved. And the first time I asked that, the answer I got was, you know what we really need is someone to show up at church three hours early and lift heavy sound equipment in from a trailer every week and drop it off in the church so the band has time to rehearse an hour and a half ahead of church. And so I had this crossroads going, well, I don't really want to be there that early. (laughs) That doesn't sound like fun. Can I hand out drinks on 10 minutes during the church or something or cookies? And I had this crossroads to walk into and decided to do that. We started telling ourselves like team bicep or something because it was all we were good for is lifting heavy things. But most people didn't even know we were there early in doing it. But it blessed my life that first time to make that choice. Do I want to go be a part of something and doing something and not just taking it in? And we are serving that God of the greatest significance. And the greatest mission in the world. And when we see that, it starts to change how we interact with God and his church. Instead of asking, how was the show on Sunday morning? How was the service? We might start asking, how do I be a part of it? Do we see ourselves as servants of God? Are we willing to be lowly servants just to be a part of what God's doing, what God's accomplishing? Things here at the Firehouse Church are not significant because this is somehow an amazing church or it has amazing pastors or an amazing band. It's only significant because Jesus is significant and his mission is significant and what he calls us into is worth our life. And if you're currently showing up at a church to drink the coffee and listen to the music and hear the message and then go home and that's your interaction with us, we love you and keep coming and you're welcome. But I do have a challenge for you. Pray about a next step. Is there something God might have for you? Just to volunteer to do something to help the church run? Even if it's something like lift heavy speakers in, that's not the most glorious. There's things God wants to call us into. So I'd just challenge you to go ask a ministry leader or Greg or I or just someone you see busy this morning if they need help or there's something you can do. Because someone that gets out of the stands and is not just part of the 70,000 watching the football game has to take a step to say, where can I help? And God wants us each to come together to be at work and to be in faith. And this is where the church differs from the football game. Because there's not just the 22 people on the field and some coaches and reserves and everyone else just takes it in. And that, if it gets cold or the team stinks... You might notice the stadium clears out. Or if they're losing, you might notice people are going to wear a Bronco jersey this year when they were wearing a Patriots one last year because that's, that's the team to be a part of. But God wants us somewhere where we're a part of it and we're part of the team. Have you ever gone to help someone move when there was like a ton of people there? And you get the moving truck and you open the back of it and you can just start this like... Uh, assembly line of handing things over all the way to the apartment. It's about the coolest thing ever because you don't have to carry the heavy stuff all the way up. But something happens. Inevitably, someone brings donuts and people start falling off the line. And when that happens, you've got to start running like 20 feet to make up for all the people in between you. And it stops working so well. And so eventually you yell at the people eating donuts and tell them to go back to work. So the assembly line works again. But it's cool. 
And church should be a little more like that. Where we're all working together to do something. Where if we go on vacation a week, there should be a holdup somewhere. There should be something missing in what comes together. Maybe not Sunday morning, but just in the life of the church in a week. In the life of our lives together. Now there's some people where they'd notice. If the people making coffee out there just took the week off, I think we'd all notice because we'd be lacking the caffeine. Or if Tim and Pat and Jess and Jeremy decided to go enjoy the Colorado mountains and hike to 14er today, I think we'd all notice when there was no band up here first thing in the morning because they're bringing something to the service. Or if Rob wasn't out there doing uh, memory madness, we'd notice. But it's a mentality of are we going to come together to bring something to the service? Some people just walk in the door ready to work, ready to bring something. One example I was thinking of, most of you know him, but I had an opportunity to pastor with Dennis Clark here for a few years when our South location was here and we were all together. And he really impressed my life. Um, He was one of the men that helped start our movement of churches in the 60s. And in some circles, I think a man like that would walk in, wear, wear something important looking clothes and sit in a seat of honor and people would serve him. But when he walked in to be with us, he was ready to help anything that needed to be done. He'd come early and carry boxes in or set up chairs, seen him set up the food. One week after church, I was trying to get out fast and and they stopped me because him and his wife were trying to clean the bathrooms and clean the toilets after everyone had left and they couldn't find some of the cleaner they needed. He came as a servant. He came to work even when he didn't need to. And it's not a show he put on for someone's benefit. It's a habit he developed over 40 years of serving God that he walks in ready to bless God and ready to work and ready to serve the church. So how do you see yourself when you walk in the door? Jesus was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And do you know how he defined greatness in a person? It wasn't a PhD or good looks or fancy clothes or money. He said in Matthew 20, 25, you know that the rulers of this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And God in the flesh said he was not here to be served, but to serve. And that's profound. If the president or the queen or a CEO walked in the door, it would likely not be to serve people. But Jesus did that. He said the greatest among you would be the greatest servant. In the band, the MVPs, like the lead singer, or the lead guitarist, depending on the band. On the football team, it's usually the quarterback or the outside linebacker if you're the Broncos. But the church is not the guitar player or the pastor speaking up here. The greatest is the people that come to serve. It's the people serving you the coffee and cleaning up after all of us. Those are the greatest in the kingdom and the greatest in the church are those people that are coming to work and be a part of things. And so you have a choice. Do you want to be aspire to be a part of that and to be great in that kingdom and be a part of that cause which is great in that way and one more thing just about serving 
is that if we come to any church function, we tend to have lots of thoughts on how to make it better. Couldn't someone play the music different? Hasn't Jeremy heard the new song on the radio that's it? We need to have that at our church. We're behind. It's been on it three months. The decoration should be better. Shouldn't we have a college ministry? Go tell someone to start one. Boy, I've got an idea for the coffee. I'll go tell Ned. And we express how things should change by just kind of complaining to the person we already see working. And I think we need to consider ways in which we can bring something to the event in which we help it, in which we serve, in which we help it go forward. Should a meeting have coffee and hot chocolate at it? Make it and bring it. Should we start delivering cans to a homeless shelter in town and have a delivery thing in the hall? Great, research it. Pitch it and let's start it. Go do it. You know, I think it was really evident when we only had one full-time pastor and we had Rich, who's now at the south side there. It was like, I think in a given week, like 10 people would give him an idea of how he could do more with his time. It was fun because he's one guy and it's like this church of 100 telling him, this is what you could go do. But it didn't really move the church forward because he can only go do so much. And we're still in that boat. Now that we've got Greg too, it didn't do massive throughput overhauls in our church. What it really takes is people that are coming to work and move the church forward and be a part of things. I think a good example for me, he's not here today, so I'll pick on him, but it's been John McIntosh over the last year. You know, I think last year he had it on his heart that we should have that Celebrate Recovery ministry, and it would be a good way um, to reach out to people, and it was a great ministry we could have at our church. And so he went on his own and did research of what it would entail. He talked to people in it about... Um, what we need to do to start it. He had a whole proposal to the church. And so we kind of looked at it and gave the thumbs up. And then he did everything. He organized the meetings and set up times and invited people and set up sign-up lists and ran the meeting. I'm not sure one of us has even been to it as pastors, a whole meeting, because he ran with it and did it. And so it was a way that he brought something to the church that we didn't have and that it was him giving something and not just offering Ideas, And I know a lot of you have been doing that with these gospel groups. Pretty much all those people that Greg mentioned this morning as starting a gospel group have made steps like that, just of, of being a part of things and serving. But all you did to do that, bring value to the church and what's going on, and God wants us each to do something like that, each be a part of things. Not just sending an email of this is what we could do to make it better, but thinking, God, what could I do to bring something of value to church? What can I do to be involved? And so as we move to the core of the church, we need to be thinking in terms of serving and working and not just watching it. And one more area I want to talk about today, past serving, is just in our relationships. I'm not talking about like dating. It's not like a had a Christian date talk, but are we investing in people is what I'm getting at. Because someone that's in the game spiritually, someone that's not just watching from the sidelines is invested in people. And so just the second thing I'd ask you is you're willing to grow the church through your relationships. On the mission we're trying to carry out, the Great Commission, Jesus did tell us to go into all the world and make disciples, we talked about. And there's two ways we can grow the church numerically. And one is to have a charismatic pastor and a dynamite man and make a show 
good enough to draw in a crowd and hope that the pastor up here can share the gospel in a way that people become Christians and start living a life for God. And the church grows. The trouble is there's only a few men in our movement of churches I know that have that kind of gifting. And unfortunately, I'm not that guy and Greg's not that guy. But the issue is that the church is going to live or die with that one man. I was a part of a church like that in college that had one of those kind of leaders. And I saw, while I was there, this college group start, and I went the first week it started. And over, over the next three or four years, that college group and some um, more older singles and, and families kind of came into it, and he grew that church up to filling out a high school auditorium. It was huge. But the trouble was, it was all based on the show. And when he left and moved on to do other things, almost immediately the church cut in half because people were just there to watch it. They're there just to be a part of what was happening and weren't really doing anything and weren't there relationally. And so it was false growth. And the only way I've seen a church really be successful and reproducible over the long run involves people that are committed to passing their life onto other people. Or we just call it discipleship sometimes. And one verse that encapsulates this is 1 Timothy 2.2. Paul said, You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. I trust that someone is investing in your life and has. Passing on truths from the Bible, whether it's through the Sunday message or sharing verses with you, or texting encouragements, or just praying for you. I know I've had people invest in me like that through my life. It seems so basic, but early in my Christian life, someone had to tell me just basic things like, you know, you probably shouldn't get drunk. You know, you probably shouldn't have immoral relationships. It's a good thing to go to church every week and not blow it off and go to the mountains. Um, It's a good thing to pray just some of those basic things, it took someone just pouring into my life and sharing with me just to see there was a life that was different from the world we could live for Jesus. And I trust that someone's passed that on to you. If you're, you're a Christian, you've been walking with the Lord. And whether you've been a Christian for a week or a decade or a lifetime, God's done things in your life and there's something you can pass on to others. And in light of what we've been given... Paul commands Timothy to teach these truths to trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others also. And so I just ask you, are you willing to share what you've been given? Are you willing to share your life with somebody else? And so this mission we're on to reach the world, to reach new people, is really in two parts, of reaching new people and helping them become Christians, and then to teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. We're going to talk more about that reach outside next week, but just that help others obey all that I've commanded you. God asks us each to be a part of that, of taking ownership and passing on our life to someone. You don't have to have it all figured out or have everything cleaned up or a totally changed life that doesn't have any warts anymore. In fact, we might be most effective when we're growing as a Christian and just making new choices to follow God and modeling what it looks like. At the firehouse, at a pastor's meeting a few months ago, we were talking about it and noticed the amount of people that are really doing this has shrunk. 
You know, we have our pastors and they're running around trying to meet with as many men as they can. And a few of those are meeting with some other people on another level. But mostly those relationships just look like some pastors running around with their heads cut off. And especially Greg and Rich because they work and have a little less time. But what we need is people that are willing to invest their life with other people to help them grow. Because it doesn't have to be very many levels deep where that way outnumbers how much Greg can do with his week here of investing with people. We need people that are willing to share their life with other people to help them grow. Um, at our Inspire meeting this week, which I'll put a shameless plug in since I'm talking about it, we meet Inspire the first Tuesday of the month, which is just a meeting to be inspired in our faith and our walk and just talk about what, what are we trying to dream of together and do together as a church and how do we grow you're all welcome to come to that meeting. It was, a, it was good to get our first one of the year off the ground the other night there, but you're all welcome to come to those. But this week, one of the things we talked about was gospel groups, but then we really challenged people, find someone to pass your life on to. At some point, if we want to be called a leader, if we want to be called a part of the core, a lot of us, I think way before I was leading anything, I wanted to be called a leader, But at some point, we have to look around and say, what am I doing to help lead? Who am I helping pass my life on to? Who am I investing with? And so I'd ask you, are you willing to invest your life to be a part of this mission of reaching the world and specifically a part of building into other people's lives? And it all builds just on a person willing to accept that God has given us something to pass on to other people and to just answer that call and say, God, I'll just simply do it. I don't have it all figured out, but I'll obey in that and just try to meet with someone else. Are we willing to do that? And it's nothing, it's nothing fancy. It's just taking the initiative to meet with someone. Just looking around and saying, is there anyone new at church that doesn't have anyone investing them in like that? And just taking a step to initiate Just to say something like, do you want to go get a burger or play frisbee or go for a hike or grab a coffee? And let's talk about what's going on in life and our walks with God. Are we willing to do that? And as we talk about these relationships and passing something on, something has struck me lately is that in relationships in a lot of areas in life, even physically, there's people that give and there's people that take relationally. I have two young daughters, three and almost one, and it strikes me that when a baby comes into the world, they're totally dependent on mom and a little bit dad, but more mom. And they have this sweet, dear relationship and it starts 100% taking that they need the milk and they need mom to set them in their crib and help them get sleep when they need and change the diapers and and food and keep them safe and get them in the car seat right and they just smile and look cute and that's what they give back. But if you look at a marriage relationship, if you look at my relationship with my wife, I also take 100% of the time. No, I'm just joking. She cooks and cleans and I just look cute and give her a kiss. No, I'm just joking. God wants us to have a marriage relationship where it's like a 50-50 thing. We're both giving her. And my wife and I don't necessarily give each other the same things. 
but we both do things to bless one another and love one another and care for one another. We each bring something into the relationship to help one another. So I mentioned that just to think about relationships in your life. Are you giving in them? Are you investing in people? I have people in my life that it's hard to even give to them because they're always trying to give something to you. They're always trying to help you. They're always trying to serve. And then I have people in my life that are more like 100% taking. They call when they need a ride or they come to church when they need money or they want to get together only to vent about their problems when it's really bad and they can carry on a conversations an hour by themselves talking about things. How do you interact with people? How do we interact? Do we emotionally invest with people even when it's draining? Are we willing to talk 95% about the other person to really get in their life and love on them and invest in them? I know my flesh, like yours, just wants to talk about myself and not about other people. It's how we are. And we want to only be in relationships where we're getting something, it's beneficial for us, and we can talk about ourselves or it's common interest. And if we don't get enough of that, we want to cut it off and we stop calling that person. But Paul, in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 8, he says to the church, But we proved to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. When he mentions a nursing mother, he gets at two things. One is that the gentleness, there's a care and protection that he offered to the church. But the other one is that it's a bit lopsided what each one is getting out of it. Paul imparted his life to those believers. He wasn't worried about what he got paid in return or what they gave him in return. In fact, we know he didn't even get paid for his labor. He worked outside and gave whatever he gave to the church for free. And he was willing to pour out his life to bless those people and love those people in that church. Are we willing to love people and pour ourselves out to be effective? Hopefully we're getting encouraged and people are loving on us as well. But it takes intentionality and faith to say, I'm going to walk into that and really try to bless people. Are we giving in our relationships? Are we sharing encouraging things with them or asking how they're doing or praying for them? Or are we only calling when we need something? And so that's really it. The two things we'll cover today. Just are we serving and are we building relationships? And as I thought about it, really it centers around one thing. Will we show up to be a giver or are we going to show up to be a consumer? And we talked about at the start that we have a society full of people that are used to consuming in most areas of life. And so I'd ask, are you willing to be someone that doesn't just make coming on Sunday and enjoying the service your whole relationship with the church and this church family? Are you willing to get involved in work and willing to get involved relationally with the people here? So next week, come back. We're just going to talk about how we can get in the game how we can be a part of the core of what the church is doing just in the mission of the church and what we're doing. Um, So let's pray and we'll call it a morning. God, we do thank you for today. Um, God, we thank you that you give to us everything. 
if you did not spare your son, why would you not spare all things, God? You've given us everything. I pray you'd help each of us just interact with you, interact with your church, interact with your church family in a way that we're giving, in a way that we're invested, we're a part of things. We're not just watching it on TV like the Bronco game. God, we want to be pouring out our life for your mission and for you. I pray you'd each help us pray about how we could grow in that and how we could be a part of things. You'd help us be a church where we're each bringing something and each at work throughout the week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.